Well, very good. Well, today we want to uh, do a few things. We're going to talk a little bit about our Torah portion uh, because, believe it or not, this is this is what we're going to begin. First, I'll say here's the 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 map of the message today. Uh, let's turn in the Brit the New Covenant, back to 1 John 1, okay? But we will see that in our uh, Torah portion today, uh, there's a lot to be said for uh, uh, what we're trying to communicate when we talk about uh, this issue of uh, Yeshua is uh, the light and we dwell in him and and so on, and we'll see just how all of this uh, indeed ties together. This passage in 1 John, now if, you, if you're kind of new to the whole operation here, you want to go to the very end of the Bible, very end of the New Covenant, right? And then you go backwards, right? The last book is Revelation. You go backwards, and you will quickly find 1 John, right? From Revelation backwards, you have Revelation, Jude, and then 3 John, 2 John, and 1. Okay? There you go. So we're at the very beginning of 1 John. These are very important letters. Do not get the idea, because they're toward the end of the Bible and they're short, that they were like stuck in, like, a, like an appendix to, to a book or something like that. These are extremely important letters uh, that were written... Uh, to believers under circumstances where they had many questions uh, about the reality of Yeshua. Was he a real person? Was he really the Lord? What about those people that was teaching some erroneous things and left us? What about those people? Uh, what does it mean to really uh, be in fellowship with, with, uh, a God and, with God and with one another? And those are the kinds of things that he's answering. And uh, we talked a little bit about this, and last week we covered way, it was way too much ground, <laughs> okay? So the wonderful thing about teaching through the Bible is that we can always like just go right back to the same passage and bring out other things, uh, you know? And of course, uh, there's always next week, see? Okay, forever. All right. Anyway, so where we uh, left off uh, uh, two weeks ago, and we talked a little bit last week, is in verse 5, where he says, And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And we, we, we looked at the passage when in, in the Gospel of John, when, you, when it says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. So it's important to say, well, what did we hear from him? And that we're announcing to you. That God is light. And what do we mean by that? And in a nutshell, uh, you know, what we mean by that uh, is the source of life and everything related to it. Okay, we could say, uh, you know, in Psalm 27 is a, is a passage that comes to mind when we talk about light. You know, the Lord is my light and my, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Remember a few weeks ago we talked actually about that. Uh, in particular regarding something else. And, and so divine protection, divine deliverance, divine presence, all of those things. In Psalm 119, uh, uh, in verse 105, there uh, the Lord is a light, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Okay, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So lamp, light, uh, speaks of knowledge and direction and wisdom and presence of God and guidance and all of these things that, that we could say that God is. Another classic passage is in the Torah, uh, in uh, a passage that we like to read. Well, we, it was actually last week's Torah portion, part of last week's Torah portion. But also, we like to read it on the High Holy Days. And that is in Exodus chapter uh, 34. When the Lord reveals himself to Moses, right? It says in verse 6, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. So God is light means that he is truth, that he is abounding in loving kindness, that he judges sin, that he forgives sin, uh, that um, he is compassionate and full of grace and slow to anger, all those things. Uh, and so when we read in the context of the Bible that God is light is about all that he is, all that he is, whether we're talking about moral attributes or his very being, uh, that is what light is, all that is righteous, all that is true, all that is whom God is. Okay? So when we look here in this passage, and we see in verse 5, and this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. Yeshua said, I am the light of the world, right? And uh, John says at the very beginning of his uh, gospel uh, that the light came into the world, speaking of Yeshua, uh, and the darkness, which is the way of life, one might say, of this rebellious world, uh, uh, rejected the light. Right? And so we see that in him there is no darkness at all. So in him there is no darkness at all. There is no sin at all. There is no ungodliness at all. There is no wrong direction at all. Uh, there, uh, uh, in the Lord there is none of what comes as a result of sin. Okay, Sin or the results of sin is not in him. Okay? All right. Then we say, if we have fellowship with him, in verse 6, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we talked about this issue of fellowship, what that is, shared life with Messiah. Shared life with Messiah. Okay? We've already talked about the, the word koinonia and, and what it means and all that shared life with we have fellowship with him he shares his life with us remember what we talked about eternal life eternal life is not my life forever or your life forever it's his life forever that we participate in okay very important uh, and you'll see how important that is even in the torah portion for uh today all right and next week as well and so, if we say we have fellowship with him, this shared life, yet walk in the darkness means have a lifestyle of living in the darkness, 
sort of our way of life. Remember what we said about walk. Walk is a very Jewish term. Halacha, right? The way of life, right? Is in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, you can't say one thing. You can't say you're one thing, but be another. That's lying. That is not practicing the truth. Now, he's going to go on to say that, wait a minute, we all sin. We'll get there. You've got to keep coming for another few weeks, okay? We all sin, all right? So we never want to get the idea that we have to be sinless. That is what he's, that is what he's answering here. It's one of the issues that he's answering is people who are saying we must be sinless. He is making an argument that nobody is sinless, okay? That's the argument he's making, but he starts out by saying, that doesn't mean that we live any old way we want when we know the Lord. No, there must be some difference in the way we live, something, even uh, in our mind. I will tell you, in my own life, when I became a believer, I did not have some kind of massive, massive change in, in, uh, you know, in the way I operated in life. But what I, the biggest change of all was the way I thought. That was very different. You know, for me, I will tell you that I, when I first began investigating the claims of Messiah, I thought the Bible was perhaps the most boring, strangest book that was just like ununderstandable. You know, I, I can remember when I was a kid in Hebrew school, uh, having this, here, me in Hebrew school. Yikes. Okay? I could tell you lots of stories about that. But having to stand up and, and called upon spontaneously to name the 12 tribes of Israel, and I just want to say two of them were called Tigris and Euphrates. Okay? And that is true. That is absolutely true. Okay? So I didn't know anything. But when I, as this process of investigating who Yeshua was, it's like this became interesting. This became fascinating. That is God at work. That's what that is. That is God at work. That's called uh, being transformed by the renewing of the mind. See? Uh, and we, we're all at different places on the continuum from the beginning. Some of us have massive changes. Some of us very little, but little by little. But that is where we begin. You see? Uh, and uh, so we need to recognize that, that when we come to know Yeshua, it cannot be simply, well, I will agree with that statement, but it, is no, it means nothing to me in the way I uh, conduct myself. There, there has to be something, even if it isn't some... Listen, some of us have had lifelong habits and addictions and things of that nature that take a really long time to work through. That's understandable. But a conviction, that's the other thing. You know, part of that changed mind and the Bible coming alive is, is also a conviction. Even if I have a very difficult time how to figure out how to make the changes in my life, I begin to feel guilty about certain things that I didn't feel guilty about before. And that's what I said. I think I said this last week, that when I became a believer, there was a lot more issues in my life after I became a believer than before. It wasn't like, oh, I'm walking around with this millstone of sin. Who, how can I be saved? Now I have found Messiah. Now everything's fine. No, it was kind of like I'm sort of like going boom, 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 boom. Oh, confronted by the claims of Messiah. Come to know the Lord. And then it's like, wow, you know, there's this. I never thought this was an issue. This never bothered me before. Now that's all God. That is the presence of God bringing conviction. 
bringing an interest. See? Uh, and, and again, we're at different places on that continuum of, of physical changes in our lives. So when he says here that if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There are many people who say, who use the word fellowship, we have fellowship, I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that, and use labels, messianic, Christian, whatever term you want to use, but there's no difference. This, is, this should be a challenge to us. This should be a challenge to us. What is the difference in my life? Don't, don't walk away from this saying, well, then I guess I'm not. No, walk away with a challenge uh, uh, to yourself. Saying, I know that I believe this. What is the change in my life? Maybe it is a, a way of thinking. Frankly, for many of us who are Jewish, the most fundamental, the most fundamental change of all is that Yeshua is the Messiah, that he's not the, the, the Gentile's God. But the most fundamental change of all is that I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel uh, and, and that, you know, he is the enfleshment of God. That is a miraculous thing that takes place in a person's life that, who has been raised with the opposite to come to that understanding all by itself. That is God at work. That is God at work. Okay? Uh, very important to, to get that. Okay? So that's what he's saying. Because the reason he is saying it, because there were people who were saying to this community that he's writing to, that we have fellowship with God, and this is what we believe. This is what we believe. And then they left. And John has come to sort of mop up. And that had to do with the whole issue at the very beginning of the letter, about we've seen him, we touched him, we heard him, that Yeshua was a really a real person. That was another thing that he was part of this whole issue and of this issue of uh, uh, sinlessness, okay? All right. Now he says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Yeshua, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's very interesting. Isn't it funny that he doesn't... You would think in this verse that he would say, But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with him. That would be like a natural thing for this to say. Because that's what he's just said, you know, about fellowship with him in verse 6. But in verse 7, he says, fellowship with one another. It's very interesting, okay? Now, of course, if you go back up to verse 3, back up to verse 3, he says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you that also, to you also, that, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah. All right, so he seems to be saying here when he says, and then in verses six and seven about having fellowship with him, you know, means that we're not that we're walking in the light. And then in verse seven he says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There is a relationship of the shared life with the Lord and a shared life with each other, and this is the nature of fellowship. Fellowship is a specific word that means the way Messiah followers relate to each other. Not just friends relate to each other, or husbands and wives relate to each other, or people that went to elementary school and found each other 35 years later on Facebook relate to each other. Okay? It is how believers, Messiah followers, relate to each other, very specifically. Whether you just meet them or you've known them for years. 
whether you go to another town and you uh, hear about a Messianic congregation and you go there and you meet them for the first time, or the people you know here at Beth Messiah, or, uh, you know, at a church down the street where there are believers, you know? It, is, it talks about the specific organic relationship that Messiah followers have with each other. Remember, again, fellowship with the Lord can be defined as the shared life that he gives to us, okay? And that means that if we have, you know, person A, person B, person C, and we all say we're Messiah followers, we're all sharing in that life. It's not three individual eternal lives. We share in that life, the life forever, in the risen Messiah of Israel, okay? Uh, and that's why we say we participate in the Olam Haba, in the world to come, in that, in that sense of, of participating in, in his life. So then when we say the Ruach HaKodesh dwells in us, the Spirit of God dwells in us, there's only one Spirit of God. It's sort of like saying the same thing, but in reverse. That we participate in his life, and he participates in our life, and the Ruach HaKodesh dwells in me, dwells in you, dwells in you, dwells in you, dwells in you, dwells in you. And so there is a spiritual, invisible, organic relationship that Messiah followers have with each other by the nature of being a believer in Yeshua, not based on where we fellowship, where we go to worship, who my friends are, what I like to do, whether I am a creative person or I'm a, you know, a numbers guy or whatever. It doesn't matter that that there, it is an organic relationship that Messiah followers have with each other, okay? That means that there is this unity that we share. Now, at the end of verse 7, he says, And the blood of Yeshua, his son, cleanses us from all sin, okay? Meaning here that uh, the reason we have this shared life is because we've embraced the Messiah who cleanses us from all sin. Doesn't mean we don't sin, but who cleanses us from all sin. When I sin tomorrow, he'll cleanse me from that sin. When I, the, the sins that I've done, he cleanses me from that sin. I'm forgiven. That Yeshua is, what he's really saying in plain English, is like Yeshua is the doorway into this fellowship. That there's no other way. It's not because I have a degree. It's not because of what I know. It's not because of how moral I am. It's not because of how nice I am. It's not because of anything else other than Yeshua. He is our entree. He's like our credentials. You know, like when, uh, you know, if you're a member of the uh, press and you're going to a press conference, like of the president or something, you have to have credentials to get in the room. Yeshua is the credentials to get in the room. He's the credential, okay? And what he has done is he has given us his very life. Not that we become him, obviously, okay? But uh, his righteousness it becomes our righteousness, not in our own self, only in him, right? Okay, very, very important. That is what he is saying uh, uh, here, right? And then he, he affirms in verse 8, don't think that if you sin, you are outside of this. What does he say in verse 8? If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I love that verse because I have with my own eyes and ears seen people deceive themselves. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard believers with an erroneous, sadly an erroneous understanding of sin say, well, 
I might do this, but it's like I'm making a mistake. It's not sin because I know the Lord. So believers don't sin. That is deceiving yourself. You sin. Okay? When you, uh, you know, uh, do something that is not in accordance with the Word of God, you sin. It is sin. S-I-N. Yes. Okay? Uh, and, uh, yes, uh, when we embrace Yeshua, we're cleansed, we're forgiven, and we're cleansed. But it doesn't mean we, we never sin. But believers don't have a lifestyle, a lifestyle, walking in sin. And even if we sin over and over again, believers are convicted by the nature of that organic relationship. There is conviction of sin. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, well, maybe I, I'm not as far along as I thought I was. You know? and, and so we should not view anything that we read here or that we're saying as like, oh no, he's saying to me, I'm out. No, this is the challenge of being in. See? And that's what he's saying, because his goal, if you look over to uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, a little hint here, in chapter 2 and verse 1, we know why he's writing these words. He's not writing these words to try to figure out who's in and who's out. He's writing these words as an encouragement. See what it says? My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. So he's writing this not to say, okay, you out, you in. That's what we tend to do. But he's writing this, so because I don't want you folks to sin. I want you to have a robust walk with God. And so I'm explaining these things to you. See? And that's what we need to remember. All right? That's, that's what we want to uh, uh, get out of it as a challenge to say, you know what? I'm going to take sin more seriously. I'm going to take this walk with God more seriously. That's what we need to, you know, uh, uh, get out of this. Now, so having said all of that, this relation, this, this organic fellowship that we have, where we walk in the light and live in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, uh, has a number of ramifications in our lives. Okay? One thing is, there's a word, a new covenant word, that is used to describe this shared fellowship. And it is a word that you can look up every, every time it's used, and it's really interesting. It's the word abide, abide, meno, Greek, abide. To be at home, one might say. To dwell, you know, not to visit uh, and not to be like, uh, uh, I live here, but I'm afraid to touch anything kind of thing. No, like to be at home. And of course, one of the places in the New Covenant I, I, well, is right here. Actually, we can just stay right here. In uh, 1 John 2, in the next chapter, in verse 24, it says, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And then, uh, let's see, in verse 27 and 28, and as for you, the anointing you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. He's saying there, you've received some really bad teaching, and I'm encouraging you uh, that what you heard from the beginning is what is right. That's what he's telling them. 
And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. So he uses this word abide. But John likes the word abide. He really abides in the word abide. Because he writes about Yeshua using this word in the Gospel of John in chapter 15. And he really loves to use it there. And so here it says in John 15, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Uh, In verses 6 and 7, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. So this dwelling in him is something that Yeshua focuses on here. Okay, abiding in him and him abiding in us. And so he, this is that shared life uh, uh, of him as we dwell in him, in the realm of, of, of him, of his light. Uh, that is where we live, where we're at home. So another way of saying that we don't walk in the darkness is to say we don't dwell there. It's not where I'm at home. I'm not at home in the darkness. In fact, I'm, I'm becoming more and more uncomfortable in the darkness of sin and sinful thoughts and attitudes and activities. But I'm at home becoming, maybe, we might say, more at home in the Lord and, and what is right and what is true and in who he is. See? And so that is dwelling in him. Now, it's very interesting, and dwelling amongst each other. Again, uh, when he says that if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other, that means, turn to, while I'm telling you this, turn, save a little time, turn to chapter 35 of Exodus, okay? When we say that we walk in the light, not only then are we true in our walk with him, but as we walk in him, we also have this relationship with others. When we sin, of course, there becomes like uh, you know, a little pothole in the road in our, in our relationship with God. Sin hinders, doesn't destroy, hinders that intimacy with God. That very same sin hinders, therefore, our fellowship with each other. Because, again, we are participating in his life. If there's anything that hinders my intimacy with his life, it will hinder my intimacy with others because I am related through that life. See? And so, even if I have a secret sin that nobody knows about, but we all know God knows about it, whether we realize it or not, it will hinder the fellowship we have with others, whether it is observable or not. And so, as a community, we have fellowship with each other because our fellowship is with Him. And if I have sin in my life that is not that I don't confess, you know, that I don't, that I don't confess, not only does it affect my own personal intimacy with God, but it affects the whole community, whether we realize it or not. That's why we're all accountable to one another as brothers and sisters in Messiah. See? And, and this is very, very uh, important. And that is what he's saying. We as a community, we like to say, may we be a light, right? A light in the midst of darkness to this world. May we uh, be a light uh, uh, to the nations. We're a light when we are all in fellowship with God, which 
by definition means with one another as well. And also in that same definition means I'm living in that light. So we all sin. I sin. Who hasn't sinned? Like I said last week in the last five minutes, right? We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. But as we will see next week, <laughs> there's a great promise about forgiveness and cleansing. See? That's part of knowing the Lord. That there's forgiveness and cleansing. Don't throw in the towel. That is believing a lie. That is also believing a lie. It is a lie to believe that I've sinned, now I'm really an outsider. That is what he's answering here. Do not think that. When we sin, it means you're just like everybody, every single one of us. But what we have is Yeshua, our Messiah, who cleanses us, who forgives us and cleanses us. See? Very, very important. So now how does this relate to the tabernacle? Oh, in, so well here. In this passage, in Exodus chapter 34, 35, it says, Then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel. Okay, so, uh, you know, if you got that, that little darash that we send out, right? Kahal, the kahel, okay? Kahal is the root word. Kahal means assembly. Assembled is the verb, assembly. It is probably the closest word uh, that would be equivalent probably to ecclesia, to what it means to be the community of believers, okay? Kahal, it means ga the gathered gathered community. Uh, a dot might, might also uh, be a, a synonym, I'm not sure, but certainly this word. This, is, this word is used, for example, in the name of, of, uh, of our great uh, friend uh, 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 and relative, uh, Barney uh, uh, Kasdan in San Diego, the name of their congregation, Kihilat Ariel. Kihilat is an excellent word from Kahal, uh, which means uh, assembly, the assembly, okay? Uh, a, a called out assembly, however you want to define that, all right? So he uses this word, assembled the congregation of the sons of Israel, and he, and he, uh, uh, and he begins speaking to them. All right. Uh, if you move down here to verse 4, he says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, all the congregation. Now, that word is a dot, like a dot, like a dot hatikvah, name of a, a congregation, a dot Adonai. That is the word here for a congregation. Okay. So it's very interesting that he uses two different words here to uh, accentuate, in a way, this fact that he's not speaking to individuals, but to everybody. Speaking to everybody, okay? Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying. And now you have the whole thing about uh, the collection, the take from among yourselves a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of, has a willing heart, let him bring it to the Lord a contribution. Then you see all the different things that they were, uh, that they were uh, to uh, bring. So what we could say is that part of this fellowship, okay, what you have is the, uh, the, the children of Israel, as is depicted, our ancestors, as is depicted in the text of the Torah, uh, serves as a paradigm, like a model of fellowship. And God wanted them to have that intimacy, certainly, with God. But it took the coming of Israel's Messiah to really bring that organic unity to pass, all right? 
Uh, and, uh, uh, but, but getting back to this uh, passage uh, here, so he's speaking to the whole, uh, the whole uh, uh, congregation. So we could say one of the things we learn from this Torah portion is that part of the fellowship was they all contributed together. One of the physical things that they did was contribute together, all right? Uh, and that is true of Messiah followers, contributing together, our, whether it be our gifts, our talents, whatever it might be. One thing that's kind of interesting is when you go to the book of Acts in the New Covenant, there's a lot we could say here, but in the third chapter, it says... Uh, in verse 42 of chapter 2, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. Isn't that interesting? And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number that day, day by day, those who were being saved. Okay? Well, the point of that is, for us, here is a paradigm. Very interesting. That you read in the earliest description that we have of a community of believers, this is what they did. Now, you don't want to go and say, okay, they did that. That's what exactly, okay, hand in your mortgage, your mortgage, you sell your houses. It's, you know, no, that's not the point of the passage here for us. There's a principle behind this passage. And we have here a paradigm, a model of their attitude and the way that they went about it. That there was this sense of their, they, they were this assembly, they were this kehilah of Israel, by the way, right? This is, this is the presence of the future in the present time. That here is Israel's future, the Messiah has come, they begin this shared life, Yeshua has poured out the Ruach HaKodesh, they begin this shared life, and the first thing you see is this emphasis on they contributed together, they were, they were one, they, uh, they uh, went from house to house. They, they shared meals. There is this emphasis on sharing this life together. And in sharing this life together, we see that it was important for Luke to say that they shared their, their, uh, their physical things that they had together. Okay? Now, I could go off on a tangent on this, and I could say... That wouldn't it be great if there was no need for things like your social security and your Medicare and, 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 and assisted living places? That all, we all did that for one another. Wouldn't that be something, huh? But that's not, that is the Olam Haba, my friends. But the point is, we should certainly have this attitude of sharing our physical things with each other. Contributing is part of fellowship. And we could say that even here, you know, contributing to the community. 
whether it has to do with our benevolence or whether it has to do with our worship space or whatever it has to do with is part of what we did. It's part of that. It's a physical aspect of that shared life uh, uh, together. But there's something else, and that is cooperation. Working together with the same vision and mission. You know, that's very interesting. We, I'm sure that there are many who will focus here on the contribution, the contribution. But in order for them to build this tabernacle, they had to work together. They had to not only take the contributions, but, but they had to also have a sense of having a, a shared vision and a shared mission and a shared focus in order to be the visible, the visible demonstration of the dwelling of God. See? And certainly isn't that true for us. You know, there are many uh, passages that we could turn to. One of them is in the, book of, in the New Covenant book of Philippians, where we read uh, here in the first chapter, in verse 27, it says, "...only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Messiah." So that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the good news in no way alarmed by your opponents and so on. And then he goes on, he reiterates this. If you go down to the beginning of chapter two, if therefore there is any encouragement in Messiah, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, there you go, shared life, my friends. If any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. And do not look merely out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We're going to stop with that right there. But the point is, is that there is this cooperation. Not only do we uh, physically bring together our physical assets as need be, but also this sense of cooperating together as one. Okay? Cooperating together as one. And what does that all lead to for the sake of time? It leads to community. It leads to community. A sense of mutual identification in Messiah. Okay? Uh, all these, these very same passages. One mind, uh, focused, intent on the same thing. Very, very important. Community. So, there is value, uh, not only when we say we have fellowship, this organic relation. How do we relate? How does it work itself out in real life, in real time, as physical human beings, by sharing with one another? by um, uh, having the same vision and focus and cooperating with one another uh, you know, in the Lord to, a, to be that light to our community. And then finally, having the sense of a shared identity in Messiah. This is very important. If you go back to the tabernacle, yes, they, they contributed, they cooperated, but another thing that this gave them was a sense of who they were. They were not the Canaanites. They were not the Egyptians. They were Israelites. A term that was frankly maybe a little new to them, being slaves for hundreds of years. Okay? Uh, and, and so now they, they have this identity. And there was a physical way of expressing this identity with contributing, with cooperating, 
uh, with experiencing the presence of God in their midst, and so it is for us. Let us never underestimate the importance of togetherness, right? Uh, of unity, of coming together. The fact of the matter is, is that we are very used to understanding our life in Messiah as an individual. But you know, in some very fundamental passages, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you go to the end of the chapter, it says there how your body is a temple of the Ruach. Do you know he's talking to the whole community? We can make the application to our own selves. But he's speaking to us as as a group, as a community. If we're going to be a, 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 you know, a, a, a temple, so to speak, or a light, it doesn't mean just me, or it doesn't mean just you, or just you, and we come together you know, to sing songs and hear a nice message, but it is from that organic unity. Very quickly, if we turn to such passages uh, as Ephesians, there's several in there, but I'll just mention one of them. Ephesians chapter 4, in verses 16 and 17, in verse 15, 16 and 17. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. See, we grow into him. See that? We grow into him. It's not just I grow. We grow into him. All right? Who is the head, the head of us all, is a unity, even Messiah from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself uh, in love. Okay? And so we all organically are related to each other, and we need to co-participate together in order to fulfill what God has called us to be. But there's also in that some other very important things. And that is the fact that when we come together, and when, like in this room right now, when we sing songs together, and we are having this shared experience right now, it helps us in our own identification of who we are. I'm part of this. I'm part of the body of Messiah. Uh, And as a Messianic Jewish community... I'm part of a Jewish body of Messiah. And boy, let me tell you something very important. If we desire to raise our children in a Messianic Jewish environment, we need the interaction of each other to do that. If we ourselves want to grow in our faith, we don't do it by being lone rangers. It is not right to say, well, I have God and that's all I need. That is not what the Bible teaches. You might have that in order to go to heaven when you die, okay. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches over and over again, kahal, assembly, community, all of you, a body of Messiah. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that God relates to us most of the time in that interaction that we have. He dwelt in the midst of Israel. He dwells in the midst of us. As we come together, He dwells in our midst. And as we have conversations and we pray for one another and we encourage one another, understand that this is how God is at work in our midst. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 7, He talks about, yes, spiritual gifts. Read that verse real carefully. For the common 
use for, for the common good, not just to bless myself and to knock my socks off, but to bless the common good. And so let us practice this kind of fellowship. When we're talking about, as Jewish believers, maintaining a Jewish identity, we need each other. Not only that, but that's the purpose, for example. I'm closing. Come on in, kids. It's good. Uh, it's, uh, when we talk about, for example, the UMJC conference, I will tell you that it is an investment that when, just by going, just by being there, and being there and meeting people over and over again, that your world is, you're developing this sense of identity. Even if I'm not friends with everybody, that we're developing a sense of identity uh, because of the shared experience that we're having as Messiah followers. Or whether we talk about Chavura groups or different groupings within the congregation. It helps us in our sense of, of uh, identity, of our mutual identity in Messiah. And so the physical way that we experience this fellowship is contribution, cooperation, and community. When sin gets in the way, it gets all messed up. See? Even my own personal sin, that it's not something against anybody in particular, but it, there's something that diminishes. And you know, uh, let me just close with a verse, one last verse from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4. I wish I had that memorized. You know it. Verses 11 and 12. If two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three st strands is not quickly torn apart. As we live in that fellowship, there is strength. There is strength in it whether we're talking about being a light to the nations, Jewish identity, Messianic identity, identity in Messiah, whatever it might be, uh, that uh, as we experience this uh, fellowship, uh, there is uh, great strength. And as we'll see uh, in upcoming weeks, what John is going to say now is, uh, but sin gets in the way, uh, and so confess it so that that cord can be strong uh, as we share this life in the Lord and with one another. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for this great uh, word from uh, John, uh, that our fellowship is in you and with one another. Lord God, may, uh, may we confess our sins. May we walk in the light so that we will have a strengthening of that shared fellowship, that strengthening of contribution, of cooperation, and of mutual identity in you primarily, Lord. And so that, uh, Lord, as this world falls apart around us, as I, uh, we see institutions really begin to diminish around us, and as people might even persecute us, and as people might even challenge us in our faith, may we be strong in that shared life. May that cord of three strands give us great strength to move forward and to withstand whatever comes our way. Thank you that you have redeemed us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son.
We pray in Messiah's name.